This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. I was thinking about a question over this week as I prepared for this day. And I was thinking, when did I first know that Steve had a call to the priesthood? Was it 19 years ago when at our annual college student dinner, I talked with Steve and Jana, who were Wheaton College seniors at the time in our living room? Did I know then? I did not. Maybe it was the first time that he and I went for one of hundreds of runs together when he was working as a music teacher at a public school in the area. Did I know then, after that run, that Steve was called to the Holy Priesthood? I did not. Maybe when he was a realtor and we were catching up one day at our kitchen table at the Ruck House. Did I know then? No, I, I did not know then. How about when I hired him on staff to be our worship leader and pastor? Did I think then, oh, certainly, I'll one day ordain him. Well, a double no. I didn't think I'd be ordaining anybody at that point, and I didn't think I'd be ordaining Steve. No, I didn't. I didn't know he was called to be a priest. Hundreds of meetings. Hundreds of times together. A remarkable man of God, an incredible, a leader for his generation. But I did not know he was called to the priesthood. I didn't know, he didn't know, Jana didn't know. Many of us did not know until God raised him up three, four years ago. God put his hand on Steve Williamson, and those of us who walked closely with him began to see that God was asking something of him, of Jana, the family, and of us which is to say this, God makes a priest. God makes a Christian. God gives you a mission. What is happening today is utterly, completely centralized and posited within the presence and the person of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when God raises up a priest, we obey and we step into order behind his initiative and his power. God raises up for himself faithful priests. He's done so from some of the earliest days of gathering Israel as the people of God. From the earliest days, God said, I will raise up for myself faithful men that will declare my word. The priests early on in the Hebrew Scriptures declared the word of God. They offered sacrifices. They served the Lord with their whole lives. They had no inheritance, the Bible said, but the presence of God himself. God raises up for himself priests. I'm going to take us to 1 Samuel where we read that beautiful verse. It's the scripture verse I want to give to Steve this morning. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and what is in my mind. I want to speak of three faithful priests that God has raised up among the millions in the history of the work of God. The first is Samuel. The second is Jesus, and the third is Steve. 
That's his succession. That's what he's inheriting today. Can you see why we're already rocked back in awe? And we proceed even now with great carefulness and duty in the holiness of God. The priesthood in the era of Samuel was a heartbreak to God. We read in the scriptures there in 1 Samuel 2, if you'll look there with me. God speaks to Eli, the chief priest, over what is at this point a shrine. There's no temple built. This is near the end of the era of judges, no king yet over Israel. And God says, did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? The house of the father is referring to Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood, not the ironic priesthood, although I know sometimes we all wonder. For the house of Aaron, because God has raised up the house of Aaron, will be greater than the house of Pharaoh, which is to say what? Which is that the house of God, given to the house of Aaron, will overcome the power of the despot. It will overcome the power of the demonic. It will overcome the power of tyranny. That there's two houses. There's the house of God. And to the house of he who has made himself our enemy. And even in the ordaining of a priest, these two houses come into clash and conflict. What's happening today is the power of God, the power of the kingdom of light, yet again, yet again, over and over again, triumphing over the house of evil, that house which Pharaoh in his rebellion represented. This today is a celebration of the triumph of the house of God, a ministry that God established that all his people may know the teachings of God, the presence of God. Why then, verse 29, he says to Eli, do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded from my dwelling. Samuel's being raised up amidst the crisis in priesthood, the crisis in leadership. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. This refers to many priests. It has reference to Samuel. It probably is referring even most specifically to Zadok, who will be a priest under King David. It refers to many priests that will come but certainly has a reference to Samuel. And Samuel's journey to the priesthood was an unconventional journey. It was not as many in the house of Aaron would be raised up. His birth is very unusual. His mother, who is barren, is given miraculously the gift of Samuel. She then commits him as a Nazarite, a, a, kind, of, a kind of vow whereby he will be very committed to his faith and belief in Yahweh. She actually gives him over to Eli, who raises him. We're never told within the book of Samuel that he comes from the house of Aaron. We have to find an obscure passage in 1 Chronicles to verify that he actually comes from the lineage of the priests. He comes to the priesthood because God has chosen him for the priesthood and not because he has followed any kind of conventional route within his own culture or era. So Steve has come to the priesthood 
in a rather unconventional way. Nearly everyone who comes to the priesthood in our diocese comes in an unconventional way. But yours has been even more unconventional, your process, your journey. So I give you Samuel, who became a priest not because he did everything as would be expected to become a priest, but because God chose him for himself. Samuel was a priest in crisis. There was a crisis happening. You'll see there in chapter 3, verse 1, that Samuel's ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. He's already operating early as a priest, but the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. We have a culture that's in utter and complete crisis. It's a spiritual crisis. It's a governance crisis. Israel is immersed and immersed in significant crisis. It's a crisis of the Word of God. The Word of God is not being believed. The Word of God is not being acted on. And God is not acting in power through prophetic ministry or very rarely because there's a shutdown of openness to the reality of God. It's a crisis of the Word of God. It's a crisis of leadership. The very priests who are being raised up by their father, the chief priest Eli, are themselves utterly and completely corrupted. Eli corrupted by his passivity. His sons corrupted by their pernicious behavior. There's a crisis in leadership surrounding the raising up of Samuel. And brothers and sisters, can we not connect with that? Is there not a crisis in Christian leadership, in leadership in God in our day? Let us not be ashamed to name the fact and the reality. The world will never trust us unless they can hear us name that there's a crisis. There's a crisis in evangelical leadership. There's a crisis in Roman Catholic leadership. There's a crisis in Anglican leadership. Brothers and sisters, how we can relate to this moment. How in the midst of a crisis of leadership, when the usual patterns of raising up priests and the usual way of raising up leaders are no longer working, what does God do? What does God do? He raises up for himself a priest. He raises up for himself a body of believers. He raises up for himself faithful men and women who refuse to bow the knee to the house of Pharaoh and have come to believe in the house of God. Brothers and sisters, whose house are you in? The God's house. To whom will you give allegiance? To the house of God. He's raising up his people. He's raising up his priests, his deacons his bishops, his res group leaders, his Eucharist meaners, his prayer ministers, his evangelists. Samuel's a leadership priest amidst a crisis of leadership. He'll operate as a prophet, he'll operate as a priest, and he'll operate as one of the last judges. Technically, his sons were also judges, but they were so bad. I prefer to think of Samuel as the last judge before the monarchy was set in place. Samuel will be a decision maker. It says that he will judge all throughout the people of Israel. He'll travel so he can go to places and people will bring to him decisions that must be made. He'll be one who will have to make constant decisions, constant discernments amidst complicated situations. And how was well, Steve? God's called you to be a leader. You're a leader for your generation. You're a leader of uncommon acumen and giftedness and determination and understanding. You're a decision maker like Samuel. I can think of few priests to give you better than this man. 
this father, this soon-to-be brother in the College of Priests. Now, Jesus wasn't meant to be second on the list, in case you were going, I feel uncomfortable about that. I mean, it's like Samuel, then Jesus, then Steve. This, I'm a little confused. You would be, I understand. That was just rhetorical. I hope you caught it. He's not second. He's central. So it's Jesus, Samuel, Steve, and Jesus. Jesus is the central priest. Jesus is the priest, we are told, in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, the only priest who can save us from our sins. Jesus is the great high priest. Indeed, Aquinas says he's the only priest and all others ministers of him. There was the raising up of Samuel. There was the raising up of Aaron. There was the raising up of Zadok. There'd be the raising up of priests again and again and again. There'd be priests who would come before Jesus, who would point to Jesus' priesthood, and there'd be priests who'd come after Jesus, who would reside in the presence and the person of Jesus and his priesthood. But there's only one priest, and there's only one raising up. Not a raising up for the ministry of the priesthood alone. Not a raising up for a particular generation. I'm talking about the priest who was raised up from the dead. The only priest who has an eternal priesthood. The only priest who conquered the house of Pharaoh, who conquered the house of the enemy. The only priest who has defeated death and sin and the demonic power of evil. That's the priest. He's the priest. The great priest. The eternal priest. Oh, he was raised up, as was prophesied in 1 Samuel 2. One who would have God's mind, for he would be fully God. One who would have God's heart, for he would be fully God and is fully God and has always been fully God. So I give you Samuel, but I give you the Lord Jesus, a priest. Samuel's generation pointed to him. Our generation lives in his person and his presence in our priesthood. They offered a sacrifice of live animal. We offer a sacrifice, as they did through the animal, of praise and thanksgiving. One priest, Aquinas says, all the rest ministers of him. So Steve, God is raising up a faithful priest. So do according to what is in his heart. In some ways, the ministry of the priesthood has a great simplicity. We do what's according to the Father's heart, and we do what's according to his mind. There are many things in the Father's heart that we know as we study the Bible, but nothing very close to the Father's heart, very close to the heart of the Lord Jesus, is that we would, like him, seek and save the lost. Heart for that one that even leave the 99 for whom he also died, that he might serve the one, reach the one. So as you seek to be a priest in God's own heart, so you shall be empowered to seek and save the lost as his heart has been shown to us and revealed. Second, in the heart of God is the worship that comes to him from men and women, children and youth, the worship of voice and body, the, the worship 
at the holy altar. You've been ready for this. We didn't know your worship was a priestly worship. We just knew your worship was a godly worship. So to live as a priest in God's own heart is to lead us in the worship of the living God that we may then be empowered to seek and save the lost. And what is in God's mind? It's here. It's all here. We know the mind of God through the word of God. We can know not all of what God thinks, for his thoughts are not our thoughts. But we can know the mind of the Lord as he has chosen to reveal it to us in the word of God. There is no one in our tradition, as beautiful as our tradition is, and the ceremony of a day like this is so wonderful and rich, there is no one that has any power greater than the word of God. There is no ministry of bishop, priest, deacon, layperson that cannot be forfeited by a denial of the word of God. Your power is absolutely contingent. Your authority absolutely contingent. Yes, to obeying me and to our canons, but all the more so to the word of God. We have no authority if we deny the word of God, which leads us to understand as best as we can the great holy mind of God, which is why in Steve's ordination, I will place the Bible over his mind, over his head. People of God, as Steve receives the gift of the priesthood, so may you receive the heart of God, adherence, allegiance, abandonment to the mind of God and the Word of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.